Sooner Sports Station, 1043 The Band presents Stokely and Zach. Denver Broncos did not play a game yesterday and still managed to make franchise history, setting a franchise record, Stoke. What the heck am I talking about? Oh, I saw, I think I, I saw this one. Um, undrafted free agents? Undrafted free agents. Yeah. You know, for whatever reason, um, and maybe you can point to a reason, uh, the Denver Broncos have had some of the most success of any team in NFL history landing an undrafted free agent. If you remember, this is going back to uh, Philip Lindsay and Shaq Barrett. Or, well, actually, excuse me, was Shaq Barrett drafted? I forget. But anyway, it's beside the point. It yeah. was like it was like 16 straight years or some sort of NFL record for uh, consecutive years in a row with uh, uh, undrafted rookie making the 53-man roster. That's impressive for a guy to do that. It'd be more impressive if a second one did it. I don't know what you'd call it if you had three undrafted rookies. You'd call that a hat trick. You'd call that a hat trick. Yep. And then four would just be a four-leg parlay. Yes. Four? The Ridley. <laughs> the, the, the Ridley. <laughs> they call it the Ridley. It's that four-legger. Uh, not one, not two. Not three, but four undrafted rookies made the team that is the most ever in the history of a franchise that already did this really well in the first place. Yeah, I think, um, you know, you you give credit to Sean Payton here uh, just of how he's evaluating this roster and he's not letting, you know, sign-in bonuses, draft status, yada, 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 influence on who makes this football team. Right, the best guys are going to make this football team, and um, that—that's the only way to really get better and to try to improve on what we've seen around here. So I love um, that approach. I think it's the right approach. Um, and now, now, look, it doesn't doesn't you know sometimes that other stuff does matter. Sure, right, sure. But at the end of the day, you know, if you have a fourth round pick or you have an undrafted guy, and the undrafted guy you feel more confident with. And you're able to really make that move and not um, worry about you know what that looks on your looks like on your GM's resume, right? Then um, you're better off for it, right? And and I think that's the approach that we're seeing now. I absolutely love it. It's definitely a, a fresh set of eyes on a losing program. And uh, let's talk about the first guy, Jaleel McLaughlin, running back out of Youngstown State by way of Notre Dame College, not Notre Dame in South Bend. Um, no, uh, Division Two Notre Dame. Um, he transferred Notre Dame College, like it was, you know, the Notre Dame. Yeah, no, no, no Notre okay. Dame is different than Notre Dame College. And uh, Jaleel McLaughlin started off at Notre Dame College, okay. had a great career, transferred up to the Penguins of Youngstown State, um, and they used to have a powerhouse of a team. Do they still Youngstown State? Right. I mean, that was where Jim Trussell coached, yes. and like yes. Yep, yep. Uh, I, I call the game there uh, in like 2000 and 
uh, maybe 13. Stoked there was 20,000 people there. Yeah. Half of them were tailgating. Like, it was a big deal, that Youngstown State football game on a Saturday in Youngstown, Ohio. Uh, and he was a boss for them, Jaleel McLaughlin. Uh, so he's officially made the team. Over, under, and I haven't seen anything for him. You probably can't find it because no. he's going to be a third back, yeah. right? I'll do it, though. Okay. Over, under, 249 and a half yards rushing this year. Oh. 249. I mean, it doesn't sound like a lot. But when you're the third back, obviously it comes down to opportunities. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go over. I'm going to go over 249 yards. Um, it's just hard to stay healthy. So I'm thinking he's going to get more opportunities because, you know, someone in front of him might get banged up, might have to miss a game, whatever the case may be. Yeah. And um, so I'm, I'm, I'm excited about watching him play and, you know, the impact that he could have, uh, not necessarily in the running game, more in the passing game. That's, that's, that's what I'm more excited about watching and seeing if he can be that um, third down back that we really haven't had around here, and I don't know when, right, who who the last third down. I mean, we have no third down back. We have no slot receiver, <laughs> and we that. have no stinking tight end. Yeah, not uh, a know? modified so one, just, no. Right. So it's like, I mean, what are we doing? This isn't like we're not playing in the 1940s where we're going to run the ball 99% of the time. I mean, it's, it's a passing league, and we have none of that. And now we wonder why our offense has sucked for seven years. Well, th- right there. I just solved it. Can we figure one of them out? I mean, what? What? Just put the headset down and go home. Because there's nothing else you're going to say today that's going to beat that. Oh, okay. Good. You just simplified Good. everything. Right. There it so is you, right there. Like so you like, wonder why. Right. Wonder why. I mean, I, no I get it. Our, back, I, no slot, no tight end. Our quarterback situation hasn't been great, but, you know, you, you need some pieces around that position a little bit to help them out, yeah. don't you? Uh, but so to, to get back to I don't want to be negative uh, to get back to the positive side I think we I think hopefully he can be that guy yeah so I'm excited about him he, I mean you know some guys can step up to the challenge some guys can you know make that leap from you know college or lower level college to the NFL and and they just they just that's just who they are right and he seems like he might be one of those guys uh, here is George Payton talking about recruiting. Jaleel McLaughlin and how he performed in camp. It was uh, we had re- been recruiting him. You know, we did, we were hoping he would be an undrafted. And um, oh boy, I'm trying to think I'm, the scout that was on him. Um, but you know, you start recruiting these guys early in the process, and, and um, you know, especially the guys that aren't going to get drafted. And then it's part of the you know interview process. And, and so um, we thought he was a good player. You know, didn't quite know what we're getting. You never know with these free agents. You know what you're quite getting. Um, went to two schools, uh, obviously, and, and uh, the tape was good. But we've had a lot of those guys over the years when they come in here. But he kept, he passed every test. I mean, from the minute you know he showed up rookie minicamp, you know, wasn't too big, and then you know he's working out with the the big boys on the varsity, wasn't too big, and then you know you're, but then we get the pads on. You know, makes plays every day. Um, so. Uh, we're really not surprised. You know, we were all looking forward to the first game to see what he could do, and he made plays every game. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of like what I was saying. Like, every step of, you know, some guys can just do it. And and he's certainly one of those one of those guys that that, that did it every, every step along the way. Uh, the other three undrafted rookies that made the roster, uh, which was the most ever 
undrafted rookies to make the Broncos roster in franchise history. Uh, tight end Nate Atkins, we talked about him a little bit earlier in the show, uh, played at uh, South Carolina for a year uh, by way of, uh, what I say, Middle Tennessee State, I think, a little bit earlier. And then outside linebacker Thomas Incombe uh, made the roster. He is a rookie out of Central Michigan. And then finally, uh, the fourth undrafted uh, rookie to make the roster, setting the all-time franchise record for undrafted rookies, is uh, Alex. Why don't you go ahead and uh, t- tackle that last name for me? Paul Sowesky. There we go. Wow. Paul Sowesky. I love that. Alex Paul Sowesky from uh, Illinois, a 23-year-old, six foot six, 314-pound uh, offensive tackle looking to um, make an impact as a Bronco. Made the team. Congratulations. Paul Sowesky. Paul Chowiski. Paul Chowiski. It's P-A-L-C-Z. Anytime you put the C next to the Z, it just... Paul Chowiski. Got a lot of uh, family members like that in upstate New York that are are Polish. Uh, Alex Paul Chowiski. Uh, who's the Who's the um, outside linebacker? Thomas Thomas Incombe. Okay, uh, Central that's an Michigan. Interesting one. Like I don't even ever really remember seeing him out there. Like you know, he's one of those guys that goes and you don't, you know, you don't really pay much attention to him. You're looking at Nick Benito and and those other guys in front of him. So, all right, that's an interesting one. Um, I don't. I'm trying to think of. Did he have any sacks in the preseason? He did. He, I, I, he, did. he made a couple of plays okay. in the last preseason okay. game. He got in a fight at one point during a training camp practice when okay. we were there. Um, but, yeah, definitely under the radar yeah. um, a type of uh, new Bronco. All right. Interesting. All right. Um, we are- I like the approach. I like the approach, right? Let, let these guys know that, hey, if you get out here and, and you do it, and we're, we're open and receptive to good football players, and it doesn't matter if you're an undrafted guy or not. Love it. All right, do the Broncos have a, enough TNT on offense to be a playoff team? It may decide if they're a winner in 2023, and we'll tell you what that TNT is coming up next. You're listening to Stokely and Zach on Denver Sports Station, 1043 The Fan. see what Chris did there, right? With the song? Good job. See me right out of the sunset on your color TV screen. Do the Broncos have enough TNT on offense to be a playoff team? It may decide if they're a winner or not in 2023. Kevin Kistner back in studio. Usually he's like got his feet up taking a little nap right now when we're not in the studio. He's focused today. Turn that up, yeah. Kistner. Because I'm TNT. I'm dynamite. Dynamite. We're live from Saddle Rock Golf Course right off Arapahoe Road, hanging out here until 2 o'clock. Come by if you're anywhere Near the area, hit the Saddle Rock Grill. We had lunch. It's uh, phenomenal. Uh, again, we're going to be here until 2 o'clock. Do the Broncos have enough TNT on offense to be a playoff team? TNT. I'm talking about explosion, Stoke. And I'm talking about explosive plays. Plays of 15 yards or more. I was reading uh, Warren Sharp. Uh, who does a, a phenomenal job um, aggregating stats and tweeting them out? Runs a, you know, uh, great football site. Uh, 
pro gambler. Uh, so I like following him on Twitter, and he had a, a little thread today. And in terms of explosive plays, man, we are so close to being able to draw a straight line between teams who have explosive plays to teams that go to the playoffs. Of the eight most explosive offenses last year, all eight of them made the playoffs. When you look at the eight least explosive offenses, only one of them made the playoffs last year. So almost perfect in either direction. And the teams who are the best at explosive plays, there were teams that would roll off the tongue if I asked you. Buffalo, Kansas City, Miami, Philly, Jacksonville, all of these playoff teams. And the teams that are least explosive are teams like the Denver Broncos, right? But when I read the the next layer of it, it it really hit me. It was impactful, and I'll, I'll bounce this off of you. Drives with an explosive play, excuse me, drives without an explosive play, a play of 15 yards or more, score a touchdown just 2% of the time. Two. 2% of the time. A drive without a play of 15 yards or more, uh, uh, it results in a, you know, something other than a touchdown. So think about that. 98% of the time of a drive without a 15-yard play, it results without a touchdown. Meanwhile, Drives with even one play of 15 yards or more are over 10 times more likely to score a touchdown. Pretty wild when you lay it out there on paper. It, it really is. Um, it just tells you this is an offensive league, Zach. That's where it is. It's an offensive league. When you give me those stats about the explosive plays and making the playoffs, it's like there it is right there. Um, and that's 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 the world that we're living in. And the Broncos have been so far behind the eight ball when it comes to, you know, keeping keeping pace offensively with the rest of the league. And so when you can make an explosive play, obviously, like it doesn't take me to tell you this, like you're short in the field. Right. Right. And so like it's a hard thing to do to have a 10, 12, 14 play drive and, and to score a touchdown. Why? Because you're going to screw something up. Holding. Sack. Uh, turnover, something bad is going to happen when you have to go to that extended amount of plays and try to score a touchdown. So, I mean, you got to try to shorten it up. And how do you do that? By making an explosive play. So, uh, but the way that it correlates to making the playoffs is kind of eye-opening there. And it just tells you, like, this is an offensive league. It is. And we had this conversation, not directly, but after the 49ers game, uh, preseason game, where the Broncos offense was out there, and they hung some points against uh, in their first possession of the game. They had a 13-play, 49-yard drive. And I said to you, Stoke, today's NFL, you run 13 plays, you shouldn't be less than 50 yards. Second drive, 12 plays, 46 yards. And again, they hung a field goal. And I got people on Twitter that are, you know, we're, we're getting inspired by this. Getting inspired by it. I'm like... That's great that they went and hung a field goal against the Niners, but that's not really the modern NFL that we're playing, uh, uh, you know, that that, that, that the league it currently is. Kicked a field goal, not hung a field goal. You hang a field goal? No, you kick a field goal. You never oh, heard of that? No. 
No, I, no, seriously, you never heard of that? Like, no. You hang a field goal? No, I haven't. Holy smokes. Am I, am I living in the dark ages? Yes. Yeah. Um, it sounds bad. Don't say it. It's not me. That's like part of like someone else said it. It's not someone else. It's part of like the football lexicon. Yeah, like, you no. go hang a field goal. Yeah, because I don't. I, I must ignore it because it's, it's awful. Let's just kick a field goal. Um, hang a touchdown. That's what you want to hang a touchdown. Hang it. No. No? No. You're hanging field goal. How, how does that? How does that make sense, though? Stoke. How does that make sense? Do you need? Does, do we need a Twitter poll? Like, like, like people how know that, this. Like, how, how, but how does hang a field goal make sense? Uh, if you uh, hit, hit a golf ball, uh, does it hang up in the air sometimes? Does a ball hang up in the air? Yeah. Do, what, what, where, where do field goals go? Do they go up in the air? They do. Hey, you hang a field goal. <sighs> you hang a touchdown when you run it in from one yard out. They hung a touchdown. No. No, but so if you throw a touchdown, can you hang a touchdown if you throw it? Kister, Kister, Kister. I would ask Rock and Roll Brian. He, he, he I'm not, I'm not, I'm not tapping into. Why? That. I'm not what, tapping. What are you saying? No, I'm not. What? Kister, he's down. Crack on Crack you. your mic. Yep. Uh, Kister, have you ever heard like you, you go hang a field goal? So me and Drew are back here discussing. We've never heard that before either. Oh my god! Booyah! You guys are just <laughs> booyah! I, I don't know what to there tell you. There we go. I Oops, I did it again. <laughs> you guys, man, holy moly! Rock and roll, Brian. Have you ever heard of that? Yeah. Oh, you okay, were right. I told you. I told you, Brian. That's my favorite resource. <laughs> he was just down on you. He didn't want to even ask you. And you're going to take his side? Of course. You're just being honest, man. That's, that's okay. honest rock and roll. Uh, just too good. Oh, anyway, my gosh. Anyway, let's uh, let's hang some touchdowns. <laughs> right. So, um, but, but uh, like, and you're not winning football games kicking field goals, right? You're, you're just not. I mean, you you gotta you gotta score touchdowns in this league yeah. um, to to win football games, and so you need explosive plays, right? Yeah. That makes that makes sense, um, and uh, hopefully we'll see more explosive plays. I, I don't. I mean, w- when you look at this offense, do you see an explosive offense? I don't really see that. You know, I see an offense that can, you know, have more like almost what the, some of those stats that we saw there against um, the Niners. San Francisco, yeah. right? That that kind but that's of that's not offense. sustainable. That's the thing. Like, it's just it's not. It's not sustainable. No, it's not. But, you know, I mean, I, this is NFL, so I, I don't want to just say, like, you know, Cordley can be an explosive player. Jerry can be an explosive player. Who's who's coming after you? No one. Yeah, yeah. No one. People that are smarter coming at you, like <laughs> our dad, <laughs> Brock Ewer. Oh, what, 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 what is he Brock said, saying? He's he, he not, he not, he not saying anything. He don't know what Whoa, he's talking about. Oh, Brocky, let me see. He texts me, too. Not, Hang a field goal, question mark. Hang six points on the board. Never heard hang a field goal. Thank you, Brock Hewitt. Rock and Roll Brian and Zach are the only ones <laughs> no. that have heard hang a field goal. Thank you. Brock, and you're you go coming back at to mind me like your I'm business. crazy. Yes. Like, I'm I don't the, like, you... the, the craziest, like, um, moron that played 15 years in the NFL that has never heard of this. Oh, this is the way you so, were talking to oh, me. Oh, oh. You need to apologize. I, like, that was look, disrespectful. I'm, I'm, just, I'm just telling you. That's out there. All right. I don't care what Brock. Brock, you worry about just you know, back you in worry Seattle. About the Pac-12. You worry about the Trying to keep that. You worry together. about that sinking ship over there. All right. Uh, no, but it was it was interesting reading Warren Sharp because he 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 looked at teams that had like one of the greatest uh, improvements year over year. Miami Dolphins, Jacksonville Jaguars. The, it, you know, and here's a quick example: Jacksonville, two years ago, thirtieth thirtieth in explosive uh, play rate. 32nd in points scored, they won three games. Year over year, 7th in explosive rate, 
Now you're 10th in points scored, and you went from three wins to nine wins, wow. and you're in the playoffs. Like, so, and then you could look at the opposite. Tampa Bay two years ago, way more explosive. Last year, super pedestrian in that department. They were hanging field goals instead of scoring touchdowns. So, interesting. <laughs> hanging field goals. I hope we're not hanging field goals this year. Uh, we'll see. Only the Broncos or, or only the Ravens attempted more field goals from 50 yards or more a year ago. That's what you get when you have 12 plays for 49 yards is you're kicking long field goals. That's right. And that's who the Broncos have been all too often. So, all right, well, we'll see how much improvement they can have in that department. And, uh, and Russ plays a factor in that, right? Um, you know, uh, obviously this offensive line, you know, protecting them, but, like, getting, you know, getting, those, getting those deep balls back. Right and um, maybe maybe add, add a couple of runs in there, fifteen yarder plus runs from yep. us. That would be nice, right? Yep. No doubt, no doubt. Okay, is the Broncos roster set? How active should we expect a team to be over the next twenty four hours? Hanging field goals. We'll bounce that question off Troy. Troy's with me. You watch this. <laughs> Troy's with me. It's coming up next. <laughs> Stokely and Zach on Denver Sports Station, 104.3 The Fan. Is the Broncos roster officially set? How active should we expect the team to be in the next 24 hours to discuss this along with an array of other topics? It's it's our guy, Troy Rank of Denver 7, presented by ROX Rocks Heating and Air. What's up, Troy? Welcome back. So, like K1 Williams, TJ Locke, perhaps perhaps Alex Polchewski, the lineman. I thought that there would be Riley Moss, but three of those guys should be going on short-term IR. You bring back a guy like Purcell, uh, Quinn Bailey. Uh, there might be a tweak in there somewhere, but Purcell is expected back. So, no, it's not set yet. When I asked Sean Payton about that yesterday, and he answered me the funny quote about the hay's not in the barn. Uh, there's it's a fluid situation, and I think we're going to see that but those last five six spots on this roster really move around a lot. Troy, it doesn't sound like Judy is going on that short term IR. What what's the latest on him, and any chance that he can play week one, or is it looking like it's going to be week two at the earliest? He's not going on the short-term IR. That is 100%. Uh, okay. He is making real progress with his hamstring. I still think week one is really ambitious for a pulled hamstring. Uh, I would think I've said all along Miami is kind of the target date, but from what I'm seeing and hearing, um, the reality is maybe he's in play for week two against the commanders. Again, week one for me is just such a quick turnaround with a hamstring. Yeah. I mean, you're talking about essentially – Two two and a half weeks, and then you'd have to practice. I can't imagine they'd let him play in the opener without practice. I think that's a mistake. So uh, he's getting, but he's definitely making progress. He's further along than I expected, uh, but he is not going on short term IR. So I would expect to see him somewhere around week two. I, they haven't ruled out week one. I just think that's not realistic. Yeah, I'm with you. I don't think we see him for the first two weeks, uh, and then I. Uh, I'm also nervous about maybe his potential first action being in Miami in the month of September, 1 o'clock in the afternoon there in South Beach when it could be 110 degrees with a, with a soft tissue injury for a speed guy. Uh, um, that's just me being nervous. I, I got it. Um, 
Uh, tr- Troy, <laughs> thanks for being here. Let's just put him on long-term IR. That? <laughs> um, Get him ready for next year. Uh, Troy, uh, as as we've got through um, this this preseason and we look at this offense, Stokely and I, and I don't know if you heard this segment or not, but talking about explosive plays, plays at 15 yards or more. The eight most explosive offenses in the NFL last year, all eight of them went to the playoffs. Of the bottom eight, only one of them went to the playoffs. Uh, you, you have an explosive play on any drive. You are ten times more likely to score a touchdown uh, than you are without a play of 15 yards or more. When you look at this Bron- uh, Broncos offense on the heels of me saying that, what's like what should be the profile? And, and do the Broncos have the personnel to be an explosive offense? Well, it's a challenge because they don't have the weapons in a receiving core you would prefer that make it really easy. But Marvin Mims Jr. has real speed, real top-end speed, and he needs to catch a deep ball early in like the Raiders game to just show defense it's, it's there to change their coverage because they're going to be a run-heavy team. And some of those explosives, frankly, need to come from the run game where you're getting a 20-yard run here and there. Maybe it's Jaleel McLaughlin on a screen for 25 yards. So they're going to have to get a, get about it in a different way. Uh, Judy, when he comes back, certainly would be in play for some of those as well. But the reason I'm not as concerned as I normally would be of just looking at the personnel is because Sean Payton, as a play caller, throughout his history has been brilliant. I mean, we just look at his numbers. That's not an opinion. That's the facts and the stats of 15 years in New Orleans. So... Can he make Greg Dulcich a weapon? Can he make Marvin Mims a weapon enough to create some space for receivers who've struggled the last few years? And are they going to run the ball like we expect? And if they do, will that open up play action? And But for me, it all starts up front. They've got to run the ball. They've got to run the ball, and they've got to run it well and play off of that. And get Mims involved deep, get Dulcich involved in the middle of the field, and just open up things we really haven't seen from this team with any consistency for years. Troy, uh, was there a surprise? What was your biggest surprise move slash cut um, yesterday? Well, the fact they traded for the kicker, I'm going to say I was surprised, but it just, Maher looked like he had solved the problems. He was moving forward. He's got a big leg. I mean, he and Lutz statistically are basically the same guy, and they're all, he he and Lutz and McManus, frankly, have been kind of the same guy. I mean, Maher had the best season of any of them last year, but those yips are real. And if you're talking about a team that's going to be in a lot of close games, you know, missing a short field goal, I must, I'm sure it drives Sean Payton nuts. So he goes with the guy he trusts and Will Lutz. But he's been descending, you know, going the wrong way the last couple of years. So that surprised me just a little bit. But we knew, I talked about it on my podcast and wrote about it, that if he was available, they were probably going to be in play for him. And then, and, you know, just the idea that where are they going kind of with this whole, they've got a million defensive backs, 14 defensive backs. I just don't understand the fit right now. Like with Tremont Smith, where does he fit? If Riley Moss avoids short-term IR, he hasn't done anything, really, even on side fields. So I'm a little confused on a couple of those things, but, I mean, who cares? It's kind of back into the roster. Moss won't be, but there's a few wrinkles in there I didn't totally understand. But for the most part, they're top 45, 48 guys I get. And they need them to play well. Their highest-paid players have to play well. That's what it really comes down to. It's like when I covered the Rockies. Tulo and Cargo have to stay healthy if they're going to contend. Their best players, their highest-paid players have to play well because they still don't have depth for me. Troy, uh, the next time we talk to you, uh, CU will have already opened up their season. Over, under, three-and-a-half wins for the Buffs. Yeah, I'm under, and I'm a Buff. I went to school there. I loved it. 
uh, I just look at that schedule. If you don't beat CSU, you, so you, for me, you have to beat CSU. You have to beat Nebraska. And I think they're a ten-point dog against Nebraska at home. That surprises me a little bit. But then you got to be like Stanford. And where's the other win? Arizona State. You know, they're, maybe they're checking out because they can't go to a bowl game. It's just the schedule's tough. It's not that I don't think they're going to improve dramatically. I think they will. They were so bad last year. They were unwatchable. But I just don't – I just look at the schedule and I don't see four obvious wins. So I'm taking the under and hoping I'm wrong by, like, three games. <laughs> yep. All right, Troy, great stuff. As always, we appreciate your time. We'll see how it all shakes out on Saturday down there at TCU, and we'll catch up and react to it next week. Thanks, Troy. You got it. Yeah. All right, that was Troy Rank of Denver 7, presented by ROX Rocks Heating and Air. Is Coach Prime feeling the pressure three days ahead of the biggest coaching stage of his life? We'll hear from Coach Prime coming up next. Denver Sports Station 1043 The Fan presents Stokely and Zach. Come on. Y'all better crank this up. There's a There's a station. Prime feeling the pressure three days ahead of the biggest coaching stage of his life. Now, Dion's been on some big stages, Stoke. Uh, doesn't get much bigger than the Super Bowl, right? Um, when did Dion win uh, his, his Super Bowl? Oh, I, he won a few of them, right? Cowboys, with the 49ers. Niners and the Cowboys, yeah. right? Yeah, so I don't know what years those were. Um, but he, was no. the, he was on that last Cowboys team. That, that, that won in, like, 96 against, like, Neil O'Donnell and the Steelers, I think. Okay. Um, I'll take your word for it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, been on some big stages. Yeah. Not as, not as a coach, though. It not as a coach. Doesn't get bigger than this uh, for Dion. No, uh, you're right. And uh, But, uh, you know, Dion, Dion, I don't think, is going to be feeling the pressure. Dion's going to do what Dion does, right? And, and he, he's going to have swagger. I think he's going to be, um, you know, aggressive, and and that's just that's just who he is. That's who he's been, like you know, his whole life. Like he's obviously was a great high school player, great athlete, great college player, two sport professional athlete, right? Ridiculous. Played the World Series too, by the way. Um, let's not forget that. So this guy, I, I, you know, it's not like, oh my gosh, how is he going to react to this moment? Um, now, if you start losing and not have success, I think that's the question. How does he react to that, and how does he handle that? Because pretty much every time he stepped on a field, you know, he's been uh, the best player or one of the best players and has always had, you know, individual success at least. And, and mostly uh, team success went along with that also. Well, here's Coach Prime when asked the question if he's feeling pressure with his uh, first game in the Power Five coming up on Saturday. I know it may seem like it, but it's not about me. And you're talking about a big stage. I think I played the Super Bowl and the World Series. <laughs> I'm good. <laughs> I'm good. I'm straight. This is about the kids, man. I want them to uh, go out there and maximize the moment and take advantage of the exposure and the light that they have. And I feel like they will. Guy gets it. Speak of the devil. There you go, right? See? How about that? Um, But he he gets it, Zach. You know, I mean, that's what it's about. When I coached high school, like, you wanted it for the kids. Yeah. Right? You work hard. You put the work in. You coach them up. And then – on game day, you want them to be successful for them, not for you. Yeah, it makes you feel good to win and to watch your your team uh, do good things, but it's really about 
the the kids that go out there and do it and 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 then because like this is you know you put a lot of work in a lot of effort you've been you know you're trying to build this thing up and uh, when it when a player goes out there and has success it kind of validates everything that you've been doing everything sure, that you've been sure. talking about and so um yeah i mean Dion gets it Dion gets it man what do you make of it and uh well, i i it, it's hard not to like Dion and i still can't believe stoke even 3 days before kickoff I open up ESPN.com this morning, and he's the front story. Deion's in a cowboy in a cowboy hat, and uh, in, in black and gold. And I still can't believe from where we were, you know, seven months ago when the rumors started flying. Yeah. And, and I literally brought it up on the air, saying, "We know this isn't going to happen, but it's being chatted right. about. We're we're not telling you it's going to happen. It's not even remotely likely, but we're still responsible for reacting to it." And then it just kept picking up more and more smoke, more and more smoke. And then the next, next thing you know, I'm sitting there at the CU-CSU basketball game last winter, and in walks Coach Prime for the first time with his son Shador, and the place is just popping like Stone Cold Steve Austin's music just hit in 1998. And <laughs> it, it, it's just it's like, how is this real? Now we're here on the doorstep of the season. They get the big noon kickoff. That only has to do with Prime. There's no way you get Fox's big noon kickoff to start the season if Coach Prime isn't the head coach. So here we go, man. We're off to the races. Yeah, can't wait to see what it looks like uh, against TCU. Going to be a tough one. And then back at home there, like you said, against Nebraska, the early start game. And, you know, everybody, the the primetime guys are going to be in town. You know, the the, the right? The Brady Quinn's, Joe yep, Clatt, yep. right? Gus I mean, Johnson, your boy. Yeah, Gus and uh, your guy, uh, Bourbon Irvin. Yes. He'll be he'll be probably in town too, right? I mean, don't, yeah. isn't that where they're going to be doing the the set from? Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, for for the TCU game. Oh, I'm talking about oh, the oh, Nebraska no. game. No, excuse me. They have big noon kickoff two weeks in a row. Okay, they do. Yeah, yeah. Yep, that's uh, yep. coming to town. Yep. Here back to in, back in two weeks. So, uh, love it. It's it's exciting, and uh, I I just hope that you know we see. And the kids see improvement, yeah, right. And it's not what we saw last year, like some of those blowouts and how yeah. um, bad it, it looked. And and so that's kind of where I'm at. And to your point, they weren't just one and eleven; they were two and ten against the spread. Right. Vegas couldn't catch up with how bad Colorado football had 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 fallen. Uh, but now it's a new day, and I think Dion's the right hire. I think the program's going in the right direction. I think they're going to win more games than they did last year. And I'm still going to go under three and a half wins. I'm going under three and a half wins for this season. I just think um, with so much newness and the lack of depth and um, sheer size on the offensive and defensive lines, they got three total starters that are 300 pounds or more. I think that could be problematic up front, uh, whether you're talking about against Nebraska or, or Oregon or USC or Arizona State, UCLA, uh, you know, Oregon State, it, it, I, I think it's going to be a week-to-week problem. They have tremendous talent around the field at the skill positions, and but it, I just question whether CU is going to be able to run the ball effectively, whether they're going to be able to stop the run, maybe more importantly, uh, with the size of that D-line, and the linebackers are small. The second level is like, they got like a six-foot... Two hundred and twenty pound linebacker. I just like. Hopefully I don't, he can run. Hopefully I mean, we've seen we've seen you know just because you're that size doesn't mean you can't be a good player. Like you look at a guy like Zach Thomas, you know, a guy sure. like, felt like he was five ten. Sure, um, but the guy was just a tackling machine. So you know, let's 
hopefully they're good players. Like, if you're undersized and you're a good player, I mean, you can still make plays. Now, in the trenches, it becomes harder if you don't have that size to hold up and, you know, you're you're 270 and you got a 330-pound guard firing off on you. That makes it a little bit difficult, but you can still overcome those things, you know, if you're quick and you use your leverage, those types of things. But certainly, I mean, you make great points, right? Like, we talk a lot about these skill position guys and five-star recruits, but, man, Games are won in the trenches, yeah. right? And and if you're not able to establish the run or give Shador time throwing the football, I don't care what kind of arm he has, what kind of talent around him, he's not going to look very good. Yeah. And defensively, you need to be able to stop the run. And should something happen to him uh, this season, Shador Sanders, the, the CU is in even, just a world, a world uh, of trouble. A lot of it is hinging on his performance. Um, so I know they have some, some great players up there, uh, that'll probably play in the NFL. Um, but I, I just, I got to see it first and, um, I have my doubts whether they can get the four wins. I can get the three. I think they'll beat Colorado state at home. I think they'll beat Stanford, which has fallen on the worst time in recent memory for that program. Even getting to the third win, like there's this assumption that, you know, you're going to beat Nebraska up in Boulder. Hold on, pump the brakes here. Nebraska went four and eight a year ago. CU's hoping to win four games, but of the eight losses, five of the eight were by seven points or less. So they're close. Scott Frost in that operation was just, you know, had two left feet. Um, and then you look at a team like Arizona, which I know a lot of Colorado fans are counting as a W, and maybe it will be in November. You're at home. That's, a, that's at a home. Positive, yeah, you're right? at home against you know Arizona, who two years ago was a one and eleven team. Last year won five games under Jed Fish. That's where CU's trying to get to, and that's where Arizona's building from. So for all those reasons, again, I like the hire. Program's going in the right direction. They're going to win more games. But for the over-under conversation, I can't see them getting to four games. So I will fade the public because the public is all over Coach Prime and CU. Okay. It, I mean, you look at it and. Uh, you're playing Arizona State on the road, right? So do you think they're favored in that game or Absolutely not? not. You don't think they'll be I, favored I, against? I think they'll be a double-digit dog. Against Arizona State? Yeah. Wow. Double-digit? Yep. Well, maybe that's, um, maybe maybe that's more for Oregon State okay. later. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I, I because still think Arizona be a, State's I, got a new coach, and they got a lot of correct. transition going. They weren't correct. very good last year, I don't think. Nope. So I think they won three um, games But still, you're on the road. Yep. Um, and, and, you know, it's not going to be an easy win. Arizona, like you said, is at home. Uh, but that's a much improved team over the last two years, and they got continuity and consistency with that coaching staff. So, right. yeah, I mean, look, it's going to be tough. It's going to be tough to get to over three and a half. Like, if you take a step back and remove emotion yes, from, yes. from you know, doing this exercise and you're not a CU homer, and then I, I think, look, that's, that's why they have the number there, folks. That's folks. right. That's, that's right. why Vegas put it at three and a half. And it's not at five and a half. Right. Because they're trying to get a little bit of, uh, of action on both sides here. Yep. And, and that's why that number has pretty much stayed there the whole time. That's right, man. That's right. And this is KKFN, KKFN, HC1, Longmont, Dang Denver. It. If you were on that side, uh, it was a little uh, bit juiced because I'm a little bit favor coming yeah. in. But you still cash that ticket. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so You're the dog, brother. Well, <laughs> People got plus money on you. And it hit. It hit. Those are the good ones. Oh, my Those gosh. are the good ones. Man, I can't wait till this weekend, man. Really starting tomorrow night. And then into now, Friday again, night. Like, is every college team playing this week? Every uh, college team okay. is, is playing this right, week. That's good to know. Um, from the know. Alabama and Georgia. <laughs> and then how about this? How about this? You get through Saturday, and Saturday's going to be a ball, right? It's going to be a stinking ball. But th- they, if I had one game to watch this weekend other than TCU and CU, 
If I had one game to watch on Sunday afternoon, 5.30 locally, on ABC, it's number five LSU mm. at number eight Florida State. This was a dogfight a year ago. Both of these teams have aspirations of going to the college football playoff. Not sure how realistic either a scenario is, but both teams are loaded. Both teams, um, I mean, I just cannot wait for this environment at a Camping World Stadium in Orlando on Sunday evening. Yeah, I think that would probably be the game for me also. It was a great game last year, so, uh, you know, you're talking about two programs that are kind of, you know, the Florida State's been down for a while. It seems like they're starting to move in the right direction. Brian Kelly last year coming from Notre Dame got LSU going back in the right direction, so uh, that should be a good one. Yeah, should be a really good one. Looking forward to that one. Yep, C- cannot, cannot. And also wait. like the Broncos' moves that are coming up here. Um, I'm looking forward to reacting that tomorrow to see what what other moves they make here in the next 24 hours. Should be interesting to see uh, what happens on that front and what the team looks like uh, with the short-term IR guys, the guys that they cut. Who are they planning on bringing back? Uh, what does this receiver room look like, Zach? Yeah, I mean, yeah, like really, you know. Four on the roster, right? Or three. Four on the roster. But Judy, we don't know about his availability. You're going to have to bring someone else on board to add to the 53-man roster. Yep. And speaking of bringing someone else on board, we got D-Mac oh. back live in the studio. D-Mac, oh my good gosh. afternoon. Satterock is so gorgeous, so beautiful. Is Karen there? Is yep, Karen? She's here. Karen! She's been taking care of us all afternoon. How great is Karen? Hey, real, real quick, because I know you guys are going to – Smack it around there a little bit. Uh, do you guys realize how weird practice was yesterday? That there were guys practicing that were about to get cut? Do you, does that dawn on anybody how strange that was yesterday? No. Uh, it, it did not dawn on me. I don't know if that's um, common practice. Um, I, I I would ask uh, Stokely, but I'm seeing his uh, tail lights uh, currently. Man, it is not even two o'clock. <laughs> he, he did not even. I mean, I knew he wasn't going to make it through the entire crosstalk. I mean, I knew that was that. There's no way. But I thought that sucker would at least make it till two. <laughs> and you were mistaken, my friend. I, I was mistaken. Did you guys even do the legal ID? Or I don't even. We did. I did put it, it on his head. You yeah. got it. Yeah. All right. All right. Yeah, man. All right. I'll let you. You got. Uh, yeah. What, what's good, Zach? You good? You good? Yeah, yeah, I'm good, man. I I um I I put out my um I put out my uh, super stroll uh, preview Saw on uh, Colorado football, which as I always, got as always. Well, thank you, man. I got yeah. laughed at uh, a year ago for going under two and a half wins. I'm getting told I'm uh, they're going to bookmark my tweet for freezing cold takes. Uh, okay, maybe maybe they're right. Um, I root for CU. I think Dion's the right hire. I think they're going to win more games than last year. Program's going in the right direction. But I just can't find that fourth win. That's all. You can't find it, huh? Can't find the fourth win. All right, so who do you – let me just uh, – well, I don't know it off the top of my head. You got CSU winning, uh, obviously. You got uh, them beating Arizona State? No. No? You got that a loss in Tempe? Yep. You got them beating Arizona? No. You got them beating Nebraska? No. Brr, well, you got them beating Cal. Are they playing Cal this year? Cal's not on the schedule, unfortunately. Ooh, too bad. Uh, you got them beating Washington State? Um, no, absolutely not. Okay. Yeah, That's definitely. On the road. You definitely. I can find. I can find two solid wins that I feel comfortable about. Home against Colorado State yeah. and home against Stanford. Um, okay. Home, home against Arizona, DMAC. Arizona just did in the last uh, year what CU hopes to do. That's go from a one-win team to a five-win team. That's what CU is aiming for. 
that's the same level that Arizona's building from under Jed Fish. So I just that's being chalked up as a win. I think uh, CU will be a dog uh, in Boulder uh, that Sunday uh, or Saturday in November. Damn. So what's your third win then? Um, I I I I don't I don't feel comfortable saying any. But if you wanted to go with that Arizona game, then you then you'd okay. be at a, a, a win against Colorado State, <laughs> win against Stanford, win against Arizona. Beyond there, I really have to start using my imagination. Uh, could they beat Nebraska? Sure. That's what I'm saying. Like, uh, but, I mean, Nebraska is almost a 10-point favorite in Boulder. And, and mm. are there going to be more buff fans there or more red shirts? Oh, I don't know, man. Prime time. Prime time. I thought, I thought those bad boys were already sold out uh, with the uh, season. I know, but those buff season ticket holders, they pay for the whole oh, season by flipping snap. it to a Nebraska fan. I like, know, you're the right. The last time Nebraska was in town, the whole place was red. So, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That um, happens. Those kids need to make their money. Yeah, and Nebraska's a 4-8 and eight team from a year ago. Again, four wins is where CU's trying to get to, but five of the eight losses came by seven points or less. Um, and then now Matt Rule in the fold there, who is a more proven college coach than Dion. I just, again, I have to overextend myself and really put on my CU glasses to say, yeah, you know, CU's definitely going to win that game. So what do you got to say to some people like Matt Smith and uh, Drew Spivak and some of these other buff believers that actually envision CU beating TCU this weekend? Um, look, I, 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 I know a lot of Condescension, here it comes. Yeah, no, no, no. <laughs> look, I know we got the mushrooms legal now and everything like that. But, look, I would just say, you know, just chill out, microdose your way to the kickoff, and don't get carried away. Uh, that's a top 25 TCU team down uh, in their home stadium. And um, we have no – like, like uh, uh, these games are won and lost in the trenches. Dion said earlier this offseason he believes in not building a team from the inside out, but from the outside in. I disagree. I think they have great talent, skill position players, but in the trenches, uh, offensive and defensive line, I think um, I think they're in trouble. So, look, I root for the program. I go to CU games every single year since I moved here. Some of my best buddies are CU grads. But when I do this stuff, I, I, I do it pragmatically, and that's removing emotion, and that's just my pragmatic outlook of uh, the CU buffs this year. I got to give some props to our guy, uh, Joel Klatt, and gosh darn it, help me guys, I'm forgetting the player's name, that defensive lineman there from uh, Jackson State, he was denied. Tyler yeah. Brown, um, and we'll play um, later, later, uh, we'll play Joel's commentary about Tyler Brown. Yeah. I just heard that story for the first time. I'm sorry if I'm a little bit behind on the times on that. That is repulsive what the uh, NCAA is doing, rejecting him the opportunity on his second uh, transfer to CU. Yeah, I, as, as Joel Klatt put out, his coach at Louisiana, Louisiana Lafayette, who he's yeah. close with, yeah. died on the field of a heart attack in front of that young man. And that's why he ended up at Jackson State. And so, what, we're supposed to hold it against that kid when his coach, Prime, who he's got a close relationship, wants him at CU? What are we doing here, NCAA? Seriously, what are we doing when we can't logically take things one case at a time, no, Sean and Zach, one case at a time? Why are we just putting some sort of bizarre blanket and, and disabling this kid? Why are you making life so hard for somebody when it's so unnecessary? And it feels like making life so easy on so many other transfers who do it even more rampantly. I mean, I, I that story I do not get. It feels like I'm missing something. Uh, we're probably not. It's probably just the um, ineptitude of uh, the NCAA, which will probably not exist by the time that that young man's children are born. Fine by me. All right, I'll let you go, Zach. Appreciate it. All right, it, buddy. see you guys. Have fun. See you.